welcome everybody to your Wednesday lunch break with the Texas Apartment Association's Education Foundation Live Series, Hints from HR. I am Blaze Spidaleri with Gemstar Construction, and with me are my lovely team, Becca Ramadi, the Vice President of the Texas Apartment Association's Education Foundation, and the wonderful Nicole Block with Brookfield Properties. Hello. Hey, ladies. We do have a, a really special guest today. Um, he spent uh, a decade and a half, I guess, about providing training and education for apartment maintenance with HD Supply and the National Apartment Association as well. He has recently joined forces with Brookfield Properties. He is the Senior Manager over Maintenance Learning. Please welcome Paul Rhodes. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Is there anything to, that you would like to add to that bio before we uh, we jump in here? Uh, not really. Just the, you know, the title says uh, Senior Manager Maintenance Learning, but really and truly, it's still just a case of being a weirdo loudmouth maintenance guy. So that's uh, that's about it. it. I think that's what when we recruited him, that's what we were looking for was a weirdo loudmouth maintenance guy. And we found him. Perfect. <laughs> I tried to get that on the business card, but they couldn't get the, the font to fit yeah. correctly. It, it, we'll, it messed up. The, we'll keep working on it. We'll keep working. Yeah, on it. we'll get it. Yeah, we'll definitely get there uh, soon enough. And we're going to segue a little bit from uh, a little recap. And Becca, for the last episode, do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Because we're going to kind of uh, move in from one side of uh, the operator side to uh, the maintenance service teams. Sure. So in our last episode, we spoke with Jen Picotti from Swift Bunny about employee engagement and how companies need to do a better job of keeping their people happy, growing, and motivated. And it's so important for the health of our communities, our companies, um, and of course, that leads to happiness of our residents. Um, So we think this is really important to take a step further and talk about our maintenance teams. Uh, Mm. TAAEF and TAA have recently launched a hashtag maintenance appreciation campaign. And sort of in coming off of RPM Careers Week and the Maintenance Monday that NAAEI did, we wanted to see what you did for that week for your maintenance teams. But also throughout the summer, it's been extra hot in Texas. And what are you doing for your teams? So if they've done anything special that you'd like to have us highlight on our social media, please tag us or send an email to TAAEF at TAA.org. So let us show everybody out there what you're doing. And, you know, maybe it'll help bring some ideas to other companies and other people looking for a way to recognize their um, employees, especially maintenance. And stay tuned because Paul's going to give us all the rest of the answers for this really important question and issue that the industry has to deal with. And again, just uh, that hashtag again is uh, maintenance appreciation. Mm-hmm. And, um, Hashtag Maintenance Monday, correct? Sure. Okay, beautiful. And we can find it through that as well, uh, along with tagging. So, all right, let's just jump in here, Paul. Uh, First up, I think we got to talk about the dollar dollar bill, y'all. So we're going to talk compensation in general. What does that look like with your teams and how is that uh, affecting y'all? Yeah, thanks, Braze. I I think this is a a really important thing Mm -hmm. to bring up. To even start, I mean, last month's episode with Jen Picotti really talked about it and gave a good, well-rounded overview, but it's really kind of a reminder for our maintenance teams and especially for our on-site teams as a whole that this is a conversation that has to occur. 
Uh, right now, we are seeing in, in industry and in trade papers report that compensation is, in, is rising rapidly. And as we're trying to find people and fill empty spots on our properties, compensation is a good method for getting faces in the door. But we can't forget about the people who've been with us through the, the pandemic and World War germ. And now we're in the middle of a hot summer and we need air conditioning fixed. So we use those triggers to, to get new people in the door. But don't forget, not only are we trying to fill empty spaces, but we do have to consider the people who have are here now. Mm-hmm. And yes, a lot of management companies have those moratoriums or the requirements that you don't talk about your compensation. But let's be honest; they're happening. Our well, I think. Well, I think also with the with talking, you know, I think at, at what level are we discussing it? You know, and I think that it. I think for, you know, I think every, the whole world's discussing it right now. But I think what we were talking about from last week's episode and coming into having you, you know, kind of launch it for maintenance, is that are we as operators are having the discussion overall globally as an industry? You know, I think that's where the the discussion you know needs to kind of filter. Um, and then, you know, because I think the sites are showing us and, and obviously all the transition and the great resignation and all the things we've gone through. I think they're they're showing us some of these signs and, and we're not listening or we're not pivoting fast enough, maybe as an industry. Um, and some are, again, I know some people, it's, it's going to be pockets of excellence, right? Um, but I think as an industry, we still need to pivot uh, to, to at least start that conversation. I know it's not the only conversation and that's what we'll talk about today, but uh, but yeah, I definitely feel like we need to all be discussing it pretty openly. Well, it's not just amongst management companies, it's amongst everything out there and, you know, the Amazons and all sorts of other um, industries and opportunities that are out there that we're just not being competitive with. Yeah. Uh, Globally, you know, we've definitely seen a shift in our economic patterns and we need to uh, compensate accordingly. Compensation doesn't always mean, though, dollars. It's different value associated with that. You know, what's valuable to one person or, you know, to be fairly compensated might be different to others. So I I really want to ask you this, Paul. Uh, Do you know any meaningful ways or do you think uh, different ways to show your maintenance teams the appreciation? And what does the value look like as compared to your traditional compensation of dollars versus what else you have to offer? Well, and and really that kind of starts with the conversation that Nicole alluded to is kind of, uh, it almost enters the cultural conversation as well. Uh, Having that discussion there and really, truly, I, I do believe that if your recruitment efforts and if your retention efforts stop at compensation, in other words, if that's the only thing that as a company or as a management group or as an organization that you have to offer is just money, in my opinion, you've already lost. Because by, by that, I mean, all you have to do is have the company down the street or the, the neighboring community come with 50 cents more and they're gone. Sure. It's that case of dollar amount trying to buy loyalty with dollar amount. It's, it's a losing game. It it really and truly is. And that's where the question you just asked of what other ways can we value our associates? The the first thing that part of that answer actually comes with somebody that I've co-presented with, uh, uh, Mary Gwynn from Apartment Dynamics. Their company 
at hire, she actually has a sheet that she hands out all new employees and existing employees when they when they take over a property that basically asks them, hey, what do you like? Coffee, tea, donuts? Are you vegetarian? Do you like steak? How do you like your food? When you go out to dinner, where do you like to go on a date? What do you like to do? What is important to you? And then we, if we take that even further in the to the workday, you got guys that are coming out at two, three o'clock in the morning to do something, to do their job, and then have the conversation with the technician of, okay, you came out in the middle of the night. Would you rather go home early in exchange or do you want the money? Mm-hmm. Because depending on the time of year, maybe graduation or something, it would be a good idea to go home early. The big problem or the big challenge that there is and where it enters that cultural uh, uh, decision-making process is if our properties are so tight on budget that we cannot give that overtime and we have our employees go home early, which I can understand from, from a financial standpoint, how else are we expressing appreciation for coming out at night? How else are we uh uh, uh, meeting that need or showing that value. A common occurrence, though, I hear a lot too, is that you know properties, communities are shorthanded a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that availability to go home early or switch that is it sometimes becomes a little challenging. You know, I would I would just say though, you know, from an operator's perspective, and what I challenge all of us to consider is I think that we're cutting off our noses but our face, and so I think that you know if you're saying. I and yes, do we have to manage everything? Sure, but if we're paying the overtime hours, you know, and we're worried about breaking the budget, well, what do you think when they leave, or what do you think the open the vacancy position, or what do you think the ripple effect of your actions are going to be if that is how if that is a common practice? And again, I'm not saying hey, we didn't pay them one time, they're out the door. I'm saying that if it becomes a practice, like what are you doing as a company? And how are you enforcing as a company? Do you have fluidity and flexibility? Because I think that by not asking the question, and what's funny is, you know, we do a get to know you form as well upon hire and and kind of asking those same questions. So super cool that Mary does that Um, because it's the same thing. It's like whenever we do want to celebrate them or whenever we do want to offer them something, it's it's intentionally focused towards them. Uh, But I would just kind of say that, you know, as far as operators, we all have a budget that we work within, but there are many levers on the budget. And whenever you're short staffed um, and you can't get your work orders done and then your residency um, starts to you know dwindle down because they're not happy. I mean, what is really the ripple effect of, of that two hours of overtime? John, I'm trying to paint with a broad brush, but I just want to ask the questions. I don't want anyone to be like, Nicole is going to pay overtime a thousand times over. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying make it a bigger conversation. You do end up losing very valuable people and end up putting in more money if it's the compensation wise in hiring new people if you lose them. Right. And then you're recruiting. Everything has a cost. It's a risky investment as well because if you know what you're getting with the, you know, individuals, you know, and you know their consistency and and their work effort, you know, it's better to retain than to uh, go back out and try to replace, I think, ultimately. And I, I, I think that also goes back to having that being a bigger picture. And, you know, right now we're using that word culture a, a lot. Uh, in my mind, that kind of speaks to how decisions are made on the property. And Nicole, you brought up, there are a lot of levers to pull on a budget. 
uh, one of them, one of them that speaks directly to this value and directly to our maintenance teams is what is the focus that we're giving? What is the emphasis we're giving on preventing issues? In other words, if I'm maintenance on a property and I'm not allowed through time, through prioritization, through parts through logistics to prevent that two o'clock in the morning call. And I have to come out at two o'clock in the morning. And then you tell me right then and there that there, that I have to do it this way for something that I don't value. I have to go home early. And then you're going to hold me uh, accountable for 30, a 38 hour work week, as opposed to a 40 hour work week, we're compounding based upon how we make decisions. And the way that we pull those levers, you're talking about, Nicole, we've got to do that. And prioritizing preventive, that's along the lines, uh, so many maintenance technicians I've heard doing conferences or, or speaking to people, maintenance technicians get frustrated when, yes, preventive maintenance is scheduled, it's all done. And then the day that preventive maintenance happens, oh, we can't do it because we've got an inspection, we've got to move in, we've got a this, we've got a that. And it boils down to the fact that, you know, preventive maintenance, yes, you're not fixing something that is broken right this instant. And nobody's yelling and screaming for that filter that needs to be changed or the aerators that need to be updated. And yet the person that is yelling and screaming is the employee because studies show preventive maintenance in a year over year comparison, one 12 months later, 10% 10% of the work orders that were happening last year are no longer even occurring. Absolutely. Absolutely. So preventive maintenance is huge, even if we're trying to show our maintenance workers that we value their time. Well, I think so, that we talked about this too with COVID is that we, we went from only doing emergencies, you know, for gosh, a year and a half to two years, all we did was emergencies and we became, that became like the focus. And so now we're trying to right the ship. And there's a lot of reactivity that comes along with that. And so balancing the reactivity and the investment with a preventative maintenance, it's, it's going to feel like over the next six plus months that we're doing more work than we have been, even though it's kind of getting us back to pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's really, you know, prioritization and having that communication um, because I totally agree. And we're, ha- but we're, we're stuck in this reactive kind of uh, cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I know we just touched base a little bit on like how to handle like on-call and your service teams. And I want to kind of go back if we have some time to hit some of those bullet points again, just so we have some clarity on exactly what we're stating as creative ways to deal with a lot of uh, on-call struggles, so to speak, and how to compensate for that and, and be able to build that sense of uh, camaraderie with your teams. But I, I want to talk real quick about how to speak maintenance. Paul, you've been a guest on this show, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this is a, an excellent program, which you know, and so does Nicole and Becca. And if anybody's listening out there that had never heard of how to speak maintenance, you guys should check it out because it's a great way to uh, have your service teams and your on-site office staff uh, learn how to communicate better with each other and be clear on expectations. And I think that's where we were kind of segueing into. So I wanna jump into that realm real quick and talk about how we can um, do better uh, and have stronger communication between our service uh, maintenance teams and onsite office staff. So Paul, if you wanna jump in and uh, Nicole, I know you have everything on this. Uh, Let's hear what you guys got. 
But I really want to make sure that we are focused on the priorities. And as long as we all agree on all levels, what the priorities are, then you won't get the same amount of pushback. You won't get the same amount of reactivity. Um, so what, what we try to do as a practice is we always say we agree on which balls are going to drop. Like we can only hold so much, right? So if we are in this state of short-staffed and or trying to get preventative maintenance along across the finish line and handling all the emergencies and trying to do it all at the same time um, by and managing a 40-hour work week, we we, we talk often, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, we look at this and we agree kind of what are the priorities, how are we going to back into those, and then, then we execute. And I think too many times we all are running in 10 different directions and that reactivity and that reactive mind is taken over and it's like in a rowboat. We're all rowing in a different direction. We're getting nowhere and we're working so hard and we exhaust ourselves. Um, so I would just say that the first step, I mean, I know we always boil it down to communication, I feel like on this, um, but it's so important, but it's intentional communication, agreeing on which balls are going to drop and then being okay with it too. You know, being okay with the fact that we're, we're not handling this right now. We're going to step into this. And that's where that preventative maintenance conversation comes in. Right. So you have that set up for this Thursday and something's going to happen. You guys all agree. We, you all agree on what you're going to do. doesn't mean you don't do the other thing, you just might do it next Thursday. Um, so I think that that's kind of the, and the misconception is, is that once you don't do it, then it's just gone forever. No, we still go back and do it. But I think that's my biggest thing is agreeing on the priorities as, as a team. It's a collaborative effort. It's not ma- maintenance telling the office or office telling the maintenance or corporate telling the sites. I mean, it's all of us working together. And it's, and, and to do that, I, I love that analogy of we're all going to agree on which ball is going to drop. And by doing that, you know, to take that analogy one step further, when the something drops, right. other departments or other people aren't wasting time trying to save that ball dropping. Correct. We agree. We're blaming, how it's why it or blame, well, or blame or make them feel bad, yeah. you know, or it's just like, Hey, where are we at on this? I thought we were, because I'm not going to call and say, hey, why, why, why do we have 40 open work orders? Well, right. we prioritize all, the, all of the emergencies and we're taking, we're doing five a week and we're calling them every day. Instead of me saying, oh, those are all, okay, look, those are all the ones we talked about. Cool. And I'm not even going to make that phone call because that's going to start a chain reaction of, you know, just, I don't know, wasted time. And that agreement, uh, especially when we talk about valuing maintenance, one of the biggest areas I see that gets lost in in talking with properties and and traveling around. I saw it a lot with NAA and with uh, 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 on-site is that there is a loss of communication. And by that, I mean, not just verbal communication or written emails and that. It's a loss of togetherness between the the community manager and the maintenance supervisor or whoever's leading the maintenance team. I I liken it to, you know, the, the saying is get everybody on the same page. But the problem is if we're only stopping at the page to where, you know, we got five apartments we need to get ready this week. Office, you need to do this. Uh, maintenance, you need to do this, five apartments to get ready. That's found on page 12. Well, to continue with the analogy, maintenance is now looking on page 12 of the maintenance book. Office is looking on page 12 of the office book. And at no point in time do either of them sync up their page 12. So we're both on the same page. We're both on the goal of getting five apartments ready. Right. you see, if they have to be ready by Friday, leasing thinks that that means it's Friday morning. 
They can move in Friday morning. Maintenance in the maintenance book says that means I can have the cleaner show up Friday afternoon. Right, you have the whole day. End of business Friday. (laughs) And we're both on page 12. We're both getting it ready Friday. But unless there is that daily touch point and the ability for the maintenance supervisor to walk into the office or counter counterproductive counter counterintuitive the office manager to walk into the maintenance shop and say hey friday we said friday what do we need there has to be freedom with no condemnation to your point nicole right. there has to be no blame no nothing let's just make sure that we're calibrating what we actually mean right and maybe even have fun with it of, I can't believe you thought Friday afternoon, come on, Friday morning. But there has to be that openness for that discussion to even happen. Through your expertise, Nicole and Paul, what do you guys, where does this conversation start, right? With the teams on site, with the maintenance teams, where does it start? (laughs) I see your name. Mr. Rose, Mr. Rose, do you have an answer? Mr. Rose, we're calling on Mr. Rose. Every morning. Every day. I, one of the things, cool things I love about um, uh, Brookfield when, when I joined and, and with, the, with other management companies I worked for, we started a log, a daily log. It's in basically the log is just a byproduct. The important thing is a, a Brookfield, we call them huddles, to where it happens every day. And it's an informal, formalized meeting. Yeah. Very, very short. Uh, when I when I was on site, I did it around the coffee pot to where my community manager and I would I would start the coffee and that started the meeting. And yeah. when the coffee was finished brewing, the meeting was over. I mean, it was that short because I needed to enjoy my coffee. But that set a time limit. It set an alarm to where we knew. And that meant that every day I was updated on occupancy, move ins, move outs, vacancy, work orders, crisis, vendors, all of those things we could get done really, really quick and then move on. And because it was an everyday appointment that nothing got in the way of the right. same way that nothing gets in the way of my coffee, um, it happened and it developed that shorthand to where I mean on Fridays. I mean, Friday morning, you mean Friday afternoon. How about we compromise on lunch? You know, but it was that daily interaction and openness. And we've actually uh, that, had a couple episodes of how to speak maintenance on the super maintenance supervisor and property manager relationship. So definitely check those out. As Mr. Rhodes has told us, it is the key important item here in communication. You know, and, and one of the things too, but he said is that yes, have it, you know, schedule it, but that's one of the balls that doesn't drop. And so it is again, more will follow if, you know, we're sitting there going, cause again, if people come in and they were just grabbing and running and going, okay, well, now you're already setting up the day for failure and you're going to have to backtrack. Um, So I think that that's part of the reasons like, hey, this is the huddle. This is what we do, X, Y, Z. Now we're all going together. Um, So that's one of the balls I will say that it's not negotiable at Brookfield that won't drop is that you have to have that huddle. And usually if there's a problem with the property and I'm talking to the teams, that's usually one of the things that is not happening. Um, So it's just very quick to go back into um, and diagnose. And to that point, to, to expand it even further, the, one of the balls that doesn't drop is appointments. And yeah. by that, if we're looking to value our maintenance team and yeah. we say, I'm going to inspect apartment 14B at two o'clock, 
inspect apartment 14B at two o'clock, especially if you want that maintenance make ready person to be there with you, a, a community manager, regional manager, maintenance supervisor, all the way around the board. One of the ways of decreasing our maintenance team's value is not putting the priority on their time as we expect them to put on our time. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's it's a vacant apartment. It's not going to change from two to three o'clock. But wait, you told the make ready guy that you're going to be over at that apartment or the make ready girl in in there. And we want to double check things. So they're there waiting at two o'clock and you don't show up until three. But if the feeling is that if they're not there, when you show you decide to show up, we're not valuing that. And it's unintentional and we all get busy and set. But if we're going to show value to our maintenance team members, we have to make that a priority. You know, and I think that speaks to not only your team and making sure that everybody's accountable for their time, but you also, if you have, you know, residents that are waiting on certain time frames too, you want to value their time as well. So you, I, I see there was a note here about they'll, you know, they're they're going to be right there. They're on their way. Um, it's a false phone promise. Yeah. I, I kind of want to touch base on this too, because I feel like that happens way too often uh, with everybody, not even yeah. in this what we're talking about, but in the world. So we can just touch base on that, but how to do that better as well and set uh, realistic expectations. Oh yeah, it, it is huge. And and I can't tell you the number of times with uh, uh, offices over the years, you walk in and you listen to uh, somebody in the office talking on the phone or maintenance talking after hours. And they'll end the conversation with, I'll be right there or they're on their way, or I will make that happen. Well, to the person on the other end of the phone, they're walking to the door thinking the door's about to get knocked on right then and there. We have to be clear in our, to go back to what Nicole said, our communication to make sure that we are setting those expectations and meeting them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it goes into there and that, is a part of setting up our maintenance teams for success. Because if our residents are constantly hearing they're on their way, but they're coming from the next property over where they had to cover something and they have to clean up first and then they have to get set. But yes, they're on their way, but on their way actually means three and a half hours from now. The resident, but when maintenance does show up, they're already dealing with a, a, a hornet's nest. And meanwhile, the maintenance technician is just walking along la-di-da in his normal business day. Uh, we're setting up failure. Not yeah. to mention, Paul, the calls that the office is going to get from the angry residents who yeah. probably yeah. called three yeah. times in those three hours. So it doesn't That's help exactly anyone. right. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we've got we definitely talk about that, you know, in a lot of our communications, it's just being intentional again. And, you know, going back to that communication and being in the same book, you know, we talk about that in lots of our, of our other episodes to where it's like, wh- why don't we agree on what constitutes an emergency? You know, these five things that this property constitutes an emergency, that's when I get a text message or a phone call. Other than that, it's going to be by the end of the next business day or whatever your, your normal cadence will be. Um, and then that saves the office team heartache. 
and also saves the service team heartache <clears throat> and everyone saves heartache. But but again, that's agreeing on what the priorities are, you know, and to that end, to take that even further, not only is it agreeing internally what an emergency is, let's make sure that we agree for our residents. Correct. What an emergency is and. Yeah. In the same way that we need to make sure that internally where everybody's on the same page in the same book, we've got to train our residents what those emergencies are. If we want to value our maintenance team members, let's, I know this may be a little bit pre-World War germ, but I can remember with NAA having conversations with management companies, advising management companies that their stance on emergency callouts was if it's important enough for the resident to call at two o'clock in the morning, it's an emergency. No way. We cannot do that and say we value our maintenance team's time. Our yeah. maintenance team signed up to answer the call for these specific things. Mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Resident, if it is these specific things, we're going to be there for you. If it's not these specific things, still give us a call and we'll be there first thing in the morning. And then one last thing, I know we're almost out of time, but please, leasing people at the office, get rid of post-it notes. Stop writing down words. You're my favorite person in the world, Paul. And then (laughs) coming back at 4.30 in the afternoon. I I, Just get rid of them. The uh, the key to our harmonious community is going to be setting uh, precise expectations and having communication, meeting with each other on a daily basis to go over any uh, obstacles that you may have that way you're all on the same page. I, I feel like that's what I'm getting out of this. Um, In the be- same book. Yeah. The same book. That's right. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. We are actually out of time and this flew by and I think we could have done the, another four episodes on this and we can maybe uh, revisit that. Uh, Paul, you were fantastic. I appreciate it much. Uh, you can find all your past episodes of TAAEF on our Facebook page, YouTube, and under the Texas Apartment Careers. And you can search for both of these shows at TAAEF and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Becca, you've been fantastic as usual. Nicole, enjoy your uh, your time uh, in the the Southeast Pacific. Uh, I'm in Hawaii right now, so I'm about yeah. to move right out of here. So. And, and aloha means goodbye. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks.